I want to invite you please to turn to the Gospel of Mark chapter 2. Gospel of Mark chapter 2. We'll be looking this morning at verses 1 through 12. And once you've located that, I will invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. When he had come back to Capernaum several days afterward, it was heard that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no longer room, not even near the door, and he was speaking the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Being unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had dug an opening, they let down the pallet on which the paralytic was lying. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak that way? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus, aware in his spirit that they were reasoning that way within themselves, said to them, Why are you reasoning about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up, pick up your pallet and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Get up, pick up your pallet, and go home. And he got up and immediately picked up the pallet and went out in the sight of everyone so that they were all amazed and were glorifying God saying, we have never seen anything like this. Let's pray. God, today we come to you once again to hear you speak to us. Your servants gathered before the Word of God, that You might teach us, that You might transform us by the renewing of our minds. God, that You, by Your Spirit, may use the truth of Scripture to change us, to, to change our affections and grow us in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. We need You today, so please come now through the preaching of Your Word. And work in the hearts of each one. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. And you can be seated. Sin is a universal condition. That simply means it affects everybody. There's not a single person alive now or who has ever lived or who will ever live in the future who is not a sinner, save only the Lord Jesus Himself. The Bible is clear. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There are none righteous, no, not one. That being the case, the fact that sin is a universal condition, and because of sin, all men, women, boys, girls are separated from God. The greatest need that mankind has is forgiveness. There is nothing 
Any person needs more than they need forgiveness. And that being so, because forgiveness is our greatest need, forgiveness is also our greatest blessing. If you've been forgiven of your sin, there is no greater blessing you could hope for. No greater reason for joy and gladness and hope than the fact that your sins have been taken away. You see, this is what separates Christianity from every other religion. Every other religion is a means for man to try to... to Make his way to God. To do good, to be good, to please God. Christianity is completely different. Christianity recognizes that all men are separated from God by sin. No man is able to live up to God's standards. No man is able to please God in and of himself. Christianity is the only reason that understand, only religion that understands that what man needs is a Savior. Man doesn't need a, a, a better system of how to be good and do good. Man needs a savior. Christianity is the only religion that provides forgiveness. All the other religions say, well, well, you know, if you try hard, maybe you can be good enough. God will accept you if you do your best. Or here are the things you have to do to get God to accept you. Christianity is the only reason that recognizes that our only hope is forgiveness. Our only hope is forgiveness. Forgiveness is our greatest need and our greatest blessing. The good news of Christianity is simply this. Jesus can forgive sin. That's the good news. Jesus can forgive sin. Jesus can meet the universal need that all men have for forgiveness. So there are two questions we're going to answer today. First of all, whose sin does Jesus forgive? Secondly, does Jesus actually have the authority to forgive sin? You see, that's the primary question we ask and answer in these verses. Who can forgive sin? Does Jesus really have the authority to forgive sin? And if He does, whose sin does He forgive? We're going to use the text of Scripture today to answer those questions. As we come to the first couple of verses, we see the setting of the story we look at today. We remember from last week that Jesus had healed a leper and He told the leper, don't tell anybody what I've done. You just go to the priests and offer the sacrifice and tell them about your cleansing. But the man went and told everybody he could find what Jesus had done and it got so bad that Jesus couldn't even go to the towns to preach anymore. The, the kind of the uproar over this healing, He's his popularity as a, you know, as a magician, as a miracle worker, had gotten so big he couldn't do what he primarily wanted to do, and that was preach. So for several days, he's had to stay away from towns and cities. But verse 1 says, he came back to Capernaum after several days. So some time has passed, and he let the, he let the hullabaloo over this leper's healing kind of die down a little, and he goes back to town, and we see him doing again what he's come to do. And he's speaking the word to the people, verse 2. And there are so many people gathered 
There's nowhere else to gather, not even in the door. People have the door jam packed. People are looking through the windows. You can't get anywhere near Jesus for the crowd. And he's speaking the word of God to them. And then we are introduced to this paralytic, the paralyzed man. Verse 3 tells us that there were four men carrying this paralytic. He would have been on a pallet and they would have carried him by the four corners of the pallet. They get to the place where Jesus is and there is no way to get anywhere near Jesus. They can't even, I mean, there's no way to get close. So what are they going to do? They believe Jesus can heal their friend. The man, the paralytic himself, believes Jesus is his only hope. They've got to do something. How are they going to get to Jesus? Well, many homes in that day, most of them were made out of stone walls. They had a flat roof. And on the outside of the house, there would have been a stairway going up to the roof on top. Now, the, like I said, the walls would have been made out of stone, but the roof would have been wooden beams two to three foot apart. Across those beams were sticks piled up. On top of the sticks would be reeds and branches, and on top of that, a layer of mud about a foot thick would dry like plaster, and that's what was on the roof. So these men decide to go up the stairway on the outside of the house. They get over on the roof above where Jesus is and they begin to dig through the mud. They begin to, to remove the sticks and the branches and they clear out a space big enough for this pallet to go through. And they lower Jesus through this opening in the roof down to where Jesus is. This is desperation, right? I mean, they, they have, in their mind, this is our only shot. We've got to get him to Jesus. And they're willing to do whatever they have to to get to him. So they remove the roof. Look at verse 5. Jesus, seeing their faith. Jesus saw their faith. And he said, Son, your sins are forgiven. This is interesting. I want you to think about this. This is not what we would expect Jesus to say. We would expect the scripture to say, seeing their faith, he said, son, be healed. That's what he says all the other times. But here he doesn't say healing. He says Son, your sins are forgiven. Here's the question. Why does Jesus focus on the man's sin? Why does he bring up his sin? The man's clearly come for healing. They had great faith. The, the, the fact that they would go up on the roof and dig through all of this, which they would have to repair, obviously, and do all of this to get to Jesus showed they really believed Jesus could heal this man, but is there something more there? Is, is there something more to this faith than just faith that Jesus can heal? Why does Jesus point his finger at the man's sin and say his sin's forgiven? 
And you might say, well, isn't that his greatest need? Didn't he really need to be forgiven worse than he needed to be healed? The answer is absolutely. That's his greatest need. But that's everybody's greatest need. So here's the question. Why didn't Jesus say this to everybody he healed? I mean, everybody Jesus ever healed, their greatest need was forgiveness, right? More than they needed to be able to see or walk. They needed to be forgiven. So why didn't Jesus tell everybody, your sins are forgiven? Why this man? There's a couple of clues. First of all, if you look down in verse 8, you'll see that Jesus has the ability to know what people are thinking. A little later, the scribes and Pharisees were thinking, who is this man who's forgiving sin? And it says Jesus knew in his spirit what they were thinking. Jesus has the ability to know what they're thinking. So that means he has the ability to know what this paralytic man is thinking. What's he thinking? Well, something you and I don't understand, or, or it's not part of our culture as much as it was theirs. For, for the Jews in the first century, this man's paralysis would have been a result of sin. They would have believed that for him to be afflicted like this, he must have committed some sin. Now, we know that's not always true. Not every bout of suffering is because of some specific sin. Sometimes it is, but not always. But regardless of whether it was or wasn't, the people would have believed it was. Their opinion would have been that to be in this condition, he must have done something. This is God's judgment. And it would appear even this man himself thought, this Jesus can heal me, and not only can he heal me, he can take away the sin that's caused me to be this way. Now why would I think that this man believes Jesus can forgive him? Why do I think this man has come to Jesus for anything more than healing? Well, here's why. There's only one other time in the Bible when Jesus says to someone, your sins are forgiven. Only one other person. Out of all the people he encountered, this paralytic and one other person are the only people he ever said to, your sins are forgiven. The other one's in Luke chapter 7. I don't normally ask you to do this, but I want you to mark your place in Mark 2, and I want you to look to Luke chapter 7 because I want you to see this for yourself. This is important. I want to show you this. We find a story in Luke chapter 7. Jesus is having dinner at a, the home of a Pharisee. Verse 36 of Luke chapter 7. Now one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him. And he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner, an immoral woman, probably a prostitute. When she learned that Jesus was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perf perfume. Standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and she kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. 
Now jump down to verse 47. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. Verse 50. He said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Here's what I want you to notice. This woman did not come to Jesus for healing. She wasn't sick. She had no physical affliction. What does the Bible say about this woman? She was a sinner. She was an immoral woman. And Jesus saw her act of faith. And he said, your sins are forgiven. Your faith demonstrated by her coming to him and breaking this vial of perfume, anointing his feet with it and wiping her feet with her hair, weeping on his feet. He said, your sins are forgiven. What had she done? She hadn't come to him for, for healing. Why had she come to him? Because she believed that in Jesus she would find mercy and forgiveness. She didn't need healing. What she came for was forgiveness. Are you with me? That's the only other person besides our paralytic in Mark chapter 2, and you can flip back there. That's the only other person in the Bible that Jesus says your sins are forgiven to. Someone who came to Him in faith looking for forgiveness. That's why I say to you, I believe this paralytic was coming for more than just healing. I believed he knew and knew in his heart that Jesus could not only heal his paralysis, but could take away his sin. Let me give you a scripture. Acts chapter 10, verse 43. Of Jesus, all the prophets bear witness that through His name, everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins. Who receives forgiveness of sins? Those who believe in Him. Does Jesus just go through Israel randomly saying, I'll forgive your sins, I'll forgive your sins, and now not you, I'll forgive your... No. He heals the sins of those who come to Him in faith. And that's the first real lesson of this scripture. Jesus forgives the sins of those who come to Him in faith. Whose sins does He forgive? Those who come to Him believing and trusting that in Him there is mercy. In Him there is forgiveness. Those who come to Him with a faith that's evidence in action. This paralytic and his friends, their faith was evident not just in what they said, but in what they did. This woman who He said, your sins are forgiven, her faith was evident in what she did. The kind of faith that finds forgiveness is the kind of faith that is demonstrable. It's the kind of faith that evidences itself in action. It's people who have a faith you can see. They believe Jesus can give forgiveness and they are so desperate they'll do anything to have it. And they cast themselves at His mercy. Listen, Jesus heals the sins, excuse me, forgives the sins of those who come to Him in faith. But here's another question, and this is the bigger question. Does Jesus really have the authority to forgive sins? I mean, 
can't just anybody forgive sin. Does he really have the authority to do that? That's the second question we have to deal with. And we'll see that beginning in verse 6. Some of the scribes were sitting there, reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak that way? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus says, Son, your sins are forgiven. And this word son is a term of endearment like child. Child, your sins are forgiven. These religious experts hear Jesus say that and it sets something off in them. Who does this guy think he is? He's blaspheming. Nobody can forgive sin but God. Here's the question. Are they right? This guy's blaspheming. Nobody can forgive sins but God. Are they right? Yes and no. They're right. Only God can forgive sin. Is Jesus blaspheming? No. They're absolutely right. Only God can forgive sin. But it's only blaspheming if Jesus isn't what? If He isn't God. So Jesus, it says in verse 8, He knows what they're thinking. By the way, this is the first evidence that He is indeed God because He knows their thoughts. Can I tell you, nobody knows the thoughts of a man except that man and God. Jesus knows their thoughts. That's evidence by itself that He's God. But he says to them, why are you reasoning? This means they're thinking it over hard and they're trying to figure out why he'd say this. And he knows, he said, why are you reasoning like this? Then he poses a question. Verse 9, which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, pick up your pallet and walk? Okay, so Jesus says, which is easier? To say your sins are forgiven is easy. Why? Because you can't prove it or disprove it. He could say to this man, your sins are forgiven. They can't prove that his sins aren't forgiven and Jesus can't really prove that they are. It's easy to say that. You don't, it doesn't require any proof to make a statement like that. Right? So Jesus said, what's easier? To say your sins are forgiven? Or is it, is it easier to say, get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. Go home. See, that's a statement that's not easy to say. Why? Because you have to prove that. That can be proven. If you say that, either you're proven to have the power to do it, or you're proven that you don't have the power to do it. You see, you see the point? He's saying, okay, to prove to you that I can do the easier thing, I'll do the harder thing. I'll do something that requires proof. So he tells the man in verse 10, so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. In other words, I'm going to heal this man to prove to you I do indeed have the authority to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, 
three commands. Get up, pick up your pallet, go home. Now watch verse 12. Look at it. Look at verse 12. He got up, immediately picked up the pallet and went out. Watch this. In the sight of everyone. You see that? In the sight of every, everybody saw it. The paralyzed man got up, picked up his pallet, and walked out in front of everyone. What had Jesus done? He had done something that required proof. Right? He had proved to them he had authority. In other words, if he can do the hard thing, they have no reason to doubt he could do the easier thing. He's just demonstrated that he does indeed have the authority on earth to forgive sin. And they were all amazed, glorifying God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. What's the point today? Jesus can forgive sin. Can I tell you today, this is my only consolation in life. This is my only consolation in life. That Jesus can forgive sin. When I look in the mirror, I don't see anything but my brokenness. I don't see anything but my fallenness. I don't see anything about me that is redeemable. I don't see anything about me that is worthy of Jesus. My only consolation, the only thing that gives me real joy is the knowledge that Jesus can forgive sin and He's promised to do it for all who would come to Him in faith. When I stop and think about it, has He really, has He really taken away all of my sin? Has He... Has he really removed even the smallest sin? Even the, all, has he really taken all of it? Does he really look at me and see me clean and pure and spotless in his sight because of Jesus? It, am I really forgiven of all of it? Has he really removed my sin as far as the east is from the west? Has he really cast it in the sea of forgetfulness? Is he really going to do what he said and remember my sin no more? Let me ask you a question today. Have you come to Jesus in faith, trusting him for the forgiveness of sin? If you've done that today, if you genuinely have trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin, can I say something to you today? Your sins are gone. All of them. All of them. He remembers them no more. 
Does that mean he's forgotten them? No, it doesn't mean he's forgotten them. It means he chooses not to remember them against you. He's never going to bring it up. It's behind you. Say, so, well, when we, when we get to heaven, aren't we going to have to answer to God for our sin? Look at me. No. Jesus already answered for it. Now, the Bible does say we'll be judged for the deeds we've done in the body. That means we'll be rewarded or not rewarded based on the things we've done as a Christian. But you will not have to answer for your sin because Jesus answered for it. He paid for it. On the cross. Let this sink in just a minute if you've truly trusted Christ in faith. You're forgiven. All of it. That horrible thing you can never forget. That you still can't forgive yourself for. Guess what? It's gone. It's gone. That period of time in your life that you look back on and you grieve so much about the way you were and the way you thought and the things you did. And if you could do anything, you'd go back and change it and you can. It still grieves you. Guess what? It's forgotten. It's gone. It's forgiven. There's no greater news for me. Listen, there's no greater news for me that the sins I committed 30 years ago, 30 days ago, 30 minutes ago, and 30 seconds ago are all forgiven. All of them. Every single one. Who can do that? Who can do that? Jesus can do that. And He has. He has. Bow your heads.